welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford and Woking in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Good morning. It's so lovely to be with you this morning. We are really excited because today we're launching our brand new series looking at the early church and Acts. We're doing this series for a number of reasons. It it seems like at a time of such uncertainty, it's really good to go back and look at the basics. You know, this is an unusual period that gives us the opportunity to, to declutter and to refocus on the essentials of what it looks like to be Jesus's community. We heard last week from Pete that many people are exploring churches online, some for the very first time. But what does it mean to be Jesus' church? Well, the stories that we get at the beginning of Acts, these are the people that literally journeyed with Jesus. These are the ones that lived with him for years. These are the ones that would have experienced his miracles firsthand. They would have literally sat at his feet while he taught. And so the the way that they choose to live in the first few chapters of Acts, that is taking Jesus' ministry and then embodying it in a community. Mm. What would it really have looked like to live around those values? What did they spend their time doing? How did they care for one another? What did they value? What did they ignore? The answers to those questions are taking Jesus' heart and ministry and playing them out in a community in real time. A group of people journeying together and following Christ. And so we're going to be exploring these over the next few weeks. But this isn't just some twee how-to-do-church guide. Mm. The early church was radical. The way that they loved one another, the way that they showed compassion, literally brought the Roman Empire to its knees. This is the algorithm for subverting the world systems. Mm. And so we're going to be reading from Acts 2, verse 42 to 47, if you want to turn there. But we're calling this series that this is us, six subversive acts. We're going to be looking at six practices found in Acts 2, verse 42 to 47, that were key to the early church, and we're going to explore them over the next few weeks as a community. Let's read the Bible. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So in this series, we are going to be looking at six subversive acts that were at the centre of the early church community. Teaching and fellowship, communion, prayer, the supernatural, shared possessions and mission. But today, as we set the scene for this new series, we want to start by thinking about that line that Adam just read. 
they enjoyed the favour of all the people. Mm. There was something so unique about this group of people, so irresistible, that they enjoyed the favour of all the people. I mean, can you imagine this? This ragtag group of people suddenly coming together. Jews and Gentiles, slave and free, women and men meeting together and forming this mm. community that somehow was so unique and powerfully countercultural and yet so irresistible that everyone admired them. Wow. And not only yeah, that, wow. every day more and more people wanted to join them. They wanted in, they wanted to be a part of this. The way of Jesus, as it was first known, was so radical and revolutionary. But not that kind of revolution that leaves people frightened or mm. isolated. This was an irresistibly kind community wow. that redefined the very concept of family and togetherness. Mm. Wow, that's good. When the wow. world is asking such profound questions right now about loneliness, about isolation, about community, we are going to take a look at people who radically committed themselves to togetherness. Wow. And it's about more than eating together and worshipping together. It was a call to a complete reversal of the world's values. And one of the most noticeable and costly ways that this happened was in response to their possessions. They were radically committed to one another, sharing their things, eating together, spending time in one another's homes. But as Adam said, this wasn't a kind of a cosy, twee little group of people who just love being together and hanging out and enjoying one another's company. I'm sure it was all those things, but they were also really uniquely externally orientated. Yeah. They were always yeah. looking to the outside yeah, and good. to bring people in and welcome them in. And mm. that's actually a really hard thing to do. Isn't it, when you think about it, to be equally committed to sustaining and maintaining the, the friendships and the nourishing, supportive community within, yeah. but also always willing to welcome the outsider and bring mm. them into the very centre. They were so outward focused. And we have got loads of accounts of the early Christians living this way. We've got accounts of them adopting unwanted children, a practice that was really unheard of at the time. We've got accounts of them looking after vulnerable people in the community. We mm. hear about them nursing people back to health during disease outbreaks wow. when everyone else would try and run away. And we know that this is what the church looked like from the Bible and from the Book of Acts, but also from our history books. Um, we have a letter dated 362 from the emperor at the time, complaining to the high priest of Galatia about the local Christians, and it records historical evidence of this kind of wow. lifestyle. And he says this. It's good. The impious Galileans support not only their poor, but ours as well. Everyone can see that our people lack aid from us. Mm. This is the equivalent of Boris Johnson writing to Justin Welby, complaining because the community of Christians in England is so generous and so committed to the poor and the vulnerable that it's exposing gaps in the welfare state. This is our heritage as a church. This is who we are. This is us. And I love that the emperor calls them impious, mm. unholy for this for their radical generosity. I want my lifestyle to be 
an offence in this way, to be baffling to people and ultimately to begin to transform the spaces I'm in, to begin to transform the city I live in Mm. because it is so unique, so unusual, such a radical way to live. Wow. I'm always struck, I've heard you use that quote before. (laughs) I may. I may have used it once or twice, (laughs) apologies. But I'm always struck by the fact that the emperor defines them as their poor and our poor, Mm. whereas... To the Christians, the reason that they were so countercultural, so different, is they didn't see their poor <coughs> and our poor. They just saw people in need. I'm struck by the fact that the beginning of Acts, the writer Luke chronicles the last words that we have of Jesus when he lived on this earth. Mm. And you know, you, what's the statement that he's going to make? What's he going to talk about? What's his parting comments going to be? And actually, when you look at it, it's all about inclusivity. The disciples, even then, after still journeying with him for three years, they're still questioning about whether or not this is for for Jews or is it for everyone. And Jesus Mm. says that this gospel is going to go out to the four corners of the earth. And what's really interesting is that prophecy actually gets fulfilled within the book of Acts. What they understood as the four corners of the earth get named in the mission that is told in Acts. We hear about the north and the south and the east and the west. But the story that's happening behind that story is this story of them expanding their awareness of God's goodness. You know, they're thinking at the beginning, is it just for the chosen people? But then God comes in and his parting statements are all about, no, expand your awareness of the goodness of God until literally everyone falls in. And so that becomes the kind of hallmark of the early church. So good. That together they go out and it's not them and us or their poor or our poor or anyone. Mm. It's just people in need and spreading the gospel. Mm. So I've always loved that about the early church, just mm, the way. So and, you know, sometimes I think we idolise the early church. We can make it look like it's all working really well. And, but like you said, like it would have been messy. Mm. Like it would have been like, you know, messy and chaotic but just beautiful and loving and compassionate mm. yeah and and it's through that that they subverted the world systems and brought the roman empire to its knees it's just a stunning story so good so good and so in this time of lockdown and in this series we are going to be exploring what the church is and, and mm. maybe some ideas of what it isn't and um in the book of Acts, it shows us that the early church started in homes. Mm. The scripture said, yeah, you know, they, they're breaking bread in their homes and eating together. Mm. And so this way of Jesus, as you were saying, he kind of, he brings holiness and worship and church and all the things which were once kept at a distance, right? Separated walls of distinction and separation. Mm. He begins to bring those right in closer and closer mm. until they come right into the heart of family life, mm. into homes. Wow. It's part of this kind of holiness revolution as Jesus begins mm. to break down barriers and walls and introduce this new covenant, the new era of unlimited, unprecedented access to the presence of God. Mm. We see this in Jesus ministry he didn't just teach in religious spaces where there were Mm. barriers and and exclusions to people he taught in public squares he taught on hillsides a lot of the time he taught in homes like where we are right now he taught over meals yeah 
One of the really beautiful things that I love about Jesus ministering in homes is that in Middle Eastern culture at the time, the home was the domain of the woman. Mm-hmm. And so when Jesus brings his teaching right into the home, what he does is he creates a space that includes everyone. the women in that, everyone wow. in that. So they're not missing out on the teaching over at the temple or anything. He brings it right into the center of the home. Wow. And I guess the the, the children as well, who will have been running around and creating as much chaos as our beautiful daughter likes to on a Sunday morning as well. So Jesus kind of brings brings the whole thing right into the center of where we are. And so the early church and his disciples, they follow in his footsteps. So Acts chapter one, verse 13, we see the disciples were gathered together in the upper room of a house. First Corinthians sixteen nineteen. <coughs> excuse me, we see the church's meeting in the home of Aquila and Priscilla. Colossians four thirteen, the church in Laodicea is meeting in the home of a female disciple named Nympha. Mm. So this whole church in the home was very much the practice, which means that what we're all doing this morning, right now, having church in our homes, although it of course is far from ideal Mm. because we would love to be meeting with people outside of our immediate household. But what it means is that this way of Jesus, it's not exclusive Mm. to religious spaces or ceremonies. The church of Christ is just as alive and real in your sitting room right now as Mm. it is anywhere else on this planet and we see this kind of breaking down of barriers in communion in the lord's supper Mm. and he tells us to do this sacred act of remembrance using what bread and wine Mm. the most basic everyday simple elements that we have in our houses in order to bring the presence of God unreligiously close. Wow. And sharing communion in our homes every Sunday is so wonderful because as a church, we believe in the priesthood of all believers. Mm. Hebrews 4.14 tells us that Jesus is our great high priest, the, the once and for all high priest whose death bridges this great divide and means that he acts as our mediator and no other man. And so... We'll be looking at this in loads more detail later in this series, but in this time of lockdown, what a wonderful opportunity yeah. that we have yeah. to share wow. communion and to continue sharing communion yeah. in our own homes <coughs> with one another without the need for someone else. So it's wonderful, isn't it, that there are lots of aspects of church life that we are still able to enact and participate in mm-hmm. at the moment. But we're also like there's loads that we're missing right now too and and i think that's because right at the heart of church and what it means is that it's family and so we miss one another like it's relationship it's drawing close Mm -hmm. to one another it's laying on of hands the word incarnation incarnate meaning in flesh there is something about when we can gather in the flesh and be together that is so deeply core to who we are yeah And so, you know, if you are struggling in this time of lockdown with maybe with these Sunday services or just with with the whole concept of of meeting together in this different way, like that's okay, And we are, too. And I think that's good because there is something something to miss. There is something to miss. We are family and family is meant to be together. this deep sense of relationship and family, this was also a distinctive marker of the early church in Acts. You'll probably have heard me talk about this before because 
apparently I recycle a lot of my material. Um, But there's a historical writer at the time of the early church um, called Lucian. And he's one of the earliest writers to record anything about the early Christians and what they were like. But he's actually a critic of Christianity. And in AD 130, he writes this. The Christians you know worship a man to this day, the distinguished personage who introduced their novel rites and was crucified on that account. You see, these misguided creatures start with the general conviction that they are immortal for all time, which explains their contempt of death and voluntary self-devotion, which are so common among them. And then it was impressed on them by their original lawgiver that they are all brothers from the moment that they are converted. All this they take quite on faith with the result that they despise all worldly goods alike, regarding them merely as common property. I love that line. It was impressed on them that they are all brothers. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. The church in Acts was a community of believers so deeply committed to one another. They were people who deeply knew and deeply loved and cared for each other, who had permission to challenge and comfort one another. And that's the kind of community that we want to be here at Emmaus and we absolutely love being part of the Emmaus church family and this week we've asked a few people from our congregation to share what it is that they love about being part of this church so let's take a look I love this church because it really does feel like a big family Um, I love being a part of the worship team and serving on that and just always being uh, surrounded by so many people who uh, encourage me and inspire me in my own walk of faith, uh, whilst we all get to eat croissants as well at the same time. Amazing. I love this church because it's full of people who are not super spiritual, but willing and ready to admit our mistakes and our struggles and challenges, uh, but to keep on pushing on despite those things and to keep on reaching out. I love this church because we have lots of fun and I love being in my group and doing crafts and singing. I love this church because when I moved down here in 2015, um, I had no one and people came around me and encouraged me and loved me and accepted me for who I was. This church means family to me. I love the church because of all the amazing people in it and all the incredible opportunities that the youth get to have. We get to go breakfast out, we get to go to the lighter, we get to go to wildfires and many, many more. It's just so incredible and I've made some amazing friends there. We love this church because from day one it felt like coming home. The people are so friendly and welcoming. And we can really feel the presence of God here. I love this church because of the people. My collective in particular are brilliant. When my dad died three years ago, they were just right there for me. They cooked, encouraged, sent me messages daily, uh, brought meals round for several weeks and just really held me up in what was an incredibly difficult time. I love this church because I have made lots of new friends and everyone has made me feel so welcome. I love worship and doing all the actions. We have so much fun dancing around. I love this church because it's become the community that a few of us were praying for and longing for about 14 years ago when a few of us got together in Guildford. A community of prayer, mission and justice. I love Emmaus Road because of the people. Um, They're really welcoming and friendly. 
Josh and Emma are like my pastors. They're amazing, but they're also really real. Yeah, church is just great fun. Um, I go on my own and um, I always feel part of the family. I've met a lot of amazing people, which I now call my friends. Life isn't always straightforward and always fun. I can remember a time when I arrived at church, sat down and just cried. But the, the love, support and the prayer that I got was amazing, that I wouldn't swap for anything. I am grateful for Emmaus Road, for being part of the family. I'm part of the family. I'm so grateful this is us. I'm so grateful this is us. 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 I love that this is us. I love those Vox Pops. I particularly love Andrea at the end there. I am part of this family. And that is absolutely it. You know, we are baptised in the Spirit, but we are born into the church. When we're able to gather together on a Sunday, the people you see aren't just other members of the church. They are brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers, sons and daughters. Mm -hmm. It's this radical redefinition of family that Jesus does. And that's what it means to become part mm -hmm. of the church. And so we just want to leave you with a quote from American theologian Carl Henry. He said, The early church didn't just look and say, What is the world coming to? They declared, Look at what has come into the world. Wow. And I love that. When, when the world is asking huge questions about hope and justice and community and isolation, when no one really knows what's coming next, we know that ultimately the church is the answer to mm. those questions. Ultimately, it is Jesus. Jesus is the answer to the hurt of humanity. And so it's going to be a really fun series. We're really looking forward to together re-exploring these practices, recommitting ourselves to them and, and just growing together as a community. And so I'm just going to pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your church. Thank you so much that we get to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. And God, I pray that as we explore these practices, Lord Jesus, would you embed them in our hearts? Would you grow them in our midst, Lord Jesus? Mm -hmm. And God, would you begin to prepare us? Would you grow us together and prepare us for the next season? Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Amen.